Hi everyone, welcome to episode 42 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. If this is your first time listening to Inside View podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you go back to episode 1 and have a listen. Please do rate, review, tell your friends, family, whoever may know about the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. That one extra recommendation, that one extra download, it'd mean a huge amount to us and we'd be forever grateful. Any interaction that you may have about the podcast, please do tag the guest and also tag On The Ball Team Building. Just a big shout out there to our two sponsors, GRG Sports and Vintry Harbour Asset Management. Um, GRG Sports obviously are a sports team or a company located in Mayo. Um, if you want to fill out your local club or if your local business and you want to fill out your uh, colleagues or even your, your employees, um, be sure to get in contact with the guys there. They'll be more than happy to assist you in any way possible. Um, they're doing great work up there in Mayo and Fairness them and uh, be sure to, to get in contact. Just in relation to Vintry Harbour Asset Management, um, as the, the name suggests, they're an asset management company based in Connecticut in the in the States. Um, we're extremely grateful and very appreciative to have them on board as sponsors. They've been a massive help to on the ball team building and a massive help to an inside view podcast since um since coming on board. If you're looking to you know invest some surplus money that you may have at the moment, be sure to get in contact with Andrew O'Shea of Vintry Harbour Asset Management and he'd be more than happy to assist you. Um extremely he's extremely professional. Um his level of knowledge is is off the charts and uh if you're looking to to make contact with him be sure to do, get in contact with us here on the podcast info on the wall teambuilding.com or you can contact us in your social media platforms and we'll be more than happy to make that introduction it's time to bring on this week's guest and i'm delighted to be joined by Michal flannery of the award-winning Fishbox flannery seafood bar located in the heart of dingletown the Flannery family very much have fishing in their blood, a tradition that goes back generations, back to the 1920s in fact. The seafood for the restaurant comes from the family trawler, Kunamara, which is ran by Michal's brother Patrick. The two brothers took over the family enterprise a number of years ago and has been growing from strength to strength ever since. In fact, a funny, fa- a funny thing about Michal is... He's actually a qualified teacher but decided to pursue a different route back in 2018 when he opened up the fish box. For those who for those of you who have been there already can definitely agree that the quality and service is second to none. So how did a qualified teacher end up opening his own seafood restaurant in one of the country's most popular tourist destinations? Not only did he open it but the business is winning a range of awards and getting recognition throughout the world. Let's bring him on and find out. Hi Michal, welcome to an Inside View podcast. How are you keeping during these challenging times? Hi Jamie, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, doing okay and then trying to keep the sunny side up. How are things with you? Are you keeping busy? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, it's difficult times now at the moment, of course, but uh, it's just a matter of, you know, no more than yourself, just trying to keep the, the show on the road. But it's... It's quite difficult. You're you're quite lucky the way you can open up on treats three or four evenings a week at the moment for takeaway. And how's that going for you? How, how do you find that? Yeah, geez, we're blessed. Um, just lucky with the fish box is kind of diverse enough. You know what I mean? It's got kind of both sides of the coin. It's got the takeaway side, and luckily enough for us, most of our kind of like more sitting dishes are we can we've we've adapted and found like just compostable packaging that we can actually serve the most and you know what it was tough to start it is tough it's um you know it's it's definitely something that 
kind of you need a bit of resilience for but um you know what the the community here has been so so supportive of us even from the very get-go like so they've, they've been just great with us like and you know what they're great to give feedback good or bad which is good for us because you know the bad isn't really as good as it's even better than the good feedback so we can improve and we're learning and um you know what we're working on other things on the side so it's it, it's good it's good keeping the keeping busy anyway that's the main thing. That's the main thing, and it's um, I suppose one thing that I'm always very interested of, especially in, we say in the you know the hospitality sector, or in yeah in, in your case the hospitality slash slash food sector, um, is how do you kind of um figure out how much staff you might need on every night? Um, so we're quite lucky here. Like we've got a um, a restaurant manager. He's he's uh, top notch. So he's uh he's the experience in it. Like when I. At the beginning, we actually hadn't a clue. Um, we were just winging it. Um, but now um, everybody has, a, because of COVID and stuff, everyone's got a, a designated section. So there's no kind of crossover with staff and everybody kind of has a, a good enough distance away from each other. Obviously not the people in the kitchen, but um, you know they're wearing masks or whatever. But uh, So what we do is just have one person in each section. And it's great because all the jobs are kind of different. And then say every weekend we rotate them. So um, yeah, it's kind of hard, obviously, with, um, I suppose now you don't know if it's going to be busy or quiet, you know, with the 5K and all that. So um, yeah, it's just a matter of just kind of trial and error. And sometimes you, you know, sometimes you don't have enough staff on and you kind of get slammed or sometimes you have too much staff on and you're kind of standing around. But um, it's not so bad. Uh, obviously, it's a family business. So one of us just, you know, if it's, if it's getting quiet, one of us will take an early night or or whatever, go for a walk or something. <laughs> And it's, I suppose, the, the, the one thing that, you know, with the fish box and like it's uh, the the service and the food is, is top notch in fairness. And I suppose one thing that people might say is, um, you know, they may, maybe lack seating uh, facilities. Obviously, during now it doesn't make a difference, but, you know, we're saying the summer and the height of the summer. Yeah, of course. Like, so we actually work off two small kitchens and um, one does the kind of more fine dining stuff. And one of them is kind of more the, it's, it's just strictly deep fried, uh, the deep, deep fried section. Um, but yeah, so basically the way it is, is that when we opened, um, obviously I had no prior experience in uh, hospitality. Um, <clears throat> obviously my mom's a chef and she had a cafe, but um, I was only 20, was I 20? Two, 23 22 when we opened and uh like every other 22 year old i just wouldn't listen <laughs> so uh yeah so basically what we had was um we'd seating for around 30 people i think at start and it was grand because the first three or four months it was quite it was quiet here and um, nobody knew what we were doing nobody kind of figured out the concept of the fish box everyone just it was just kind of organized chaos that's kind of what it was um it wasn't until afterwards they started getting busy and realized that Jesus, maybe um, we've got to have a problem here. So obviously the first year we never took any, we didn't have a like a reservation system or anything like that. We used to just take whatever to see if people queue up. If they wanted to come in, they queue up. And so many nights, like that first summer, I used to have to go out to people and be like, we're sold out. I'm sorry. They might've been waiting there for an hour. They'd be nearly crying like, and I'd be nearly crying. So, um, yeah, the big issue with us is seating. That's why we kind of adapted to the boxes for the takeaway style so that people, you know, that it'd kind of be handy that they could eat out of the box, that it wouldn't be kind of a, like, I don't know, sometimes you might get a burger or something, it's kind of, it's wrapped or whatever, and it's not as, this is kind of like upper market, I think, upper market takeout is kind of the kind of vibe we went for. But um, 
yeah, something we worked on the first summer, we had outdoor seating, um, which went pretty well. Last summer with COVID, we didn't have outdoor seating because the takeaway demand was just so much for us. We couldn't, um, you know, it literally would have been one or the other. And obviously the weather isn't so favourable here, you know, in the summertime, so it's uh, not great for us. But uh, we've been working on some stuff here in the winter. And we, we should have a good bit of the seeding problem sorted out by the time people get back to us in June or whenever, hopefully. <laughs> good, good, good. And like, I, I'm, just on that point again, maybe I'm, I'm answering what you're going doing, but, um, you know, you've cleaned your room. You have a lot of room out the back. Um, would putting a canopy there or putting up a tent there, would that be something you're thinking of? Yeah, so at the moment, um, we actually extended the yard a small bit um, just when the, the last set of restrictions were lifted and we put um, kind of gating all the way around. So what we're trying to do is maybe get kind of, we didn't really do on, so it asked you we put up a marquee, but we didn't feel that it fit the style of what the restaurant was. I wasn't happy with it. Um, so the marquee was there for a month and we never opened it. Never, just left it there. I left it there empty. And um, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very OCD. Anyone that knows me, so <laughs> you know if it's not a hundred percent perfect, you know I just can't commit to it. It has to be, you know, professional and the way I wanted it and the kind of vibe that I wanted. But it just didn't work out. So we have a different plan for this year, and um, we're hoping to get some built-in seating outside. With some maybe heaters and then it'll be kind of a bit classier that people come in and they want to have their glass of wine and their you know their nice fish or their prawns or whatever they can sit down in kind of a nice warm dry place there's no breeze and there's no you know i want it to be very how i'd like it you know very kind of very right <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's something that we're working on at the moment so uh, we're hoping that hopefully by june there's constructions back in action and uh our guy can come in and put it, put it together for us Good, very good. Um, between yourselves and and uh, being Dingle, you know, definitely the heartbeat of of the the town and the peninsula now at the moment. Yeah, I think um, Green Street at the moment is is kind of like it's it's hot. Like you know, you've got um obviously being in Dingle, massive success. You've got Tick Max, huge success. Um, the Fish Box, you've got Foxy John's, um, and you've got McCarthy's and Corns at the top of the street. You know, it's it, it really has taken off. Like and it's it's great, like it's it's a uh, you know it's great to see all like being a dingle like your young lads, Finn's a young lad, myself. You know it's, it's it is really good. Like even McCarthy's, Foxy Johns, and Corns are, are all run by young young lads now. Like and it's you know it's so positive for the town to see like a future, you know the future gener like the next generation coming through now. So it's it's it is like it's it's good to see. It's good, no no doubt about that. And you you can kind of um you know you can see as well been kind of been you know flushed out as well you can see the way you're adopting a new style being dingle have you know brightened up the place um and and uh dick max finn is definitely adopting his his model at the moment um but it's it's a uh, hopefully during the summer these pubs will be able to open again because it's um it's quite upsetting to, to walk past them and see them closed you know it's yeah even for us like in the summer like you know we used to get people to the door and they'd say We'd say, look, it's going to be an hour. Like, and they'd say, well, what are we going to do? And we'd say, geez, you know, head to Dick Max or Henny Agnes's or hop up to McCarthy's or Curran's or Boxy John's and have a pint. Like, you know, and, you know, it's great to be able to send people their direction as well. But, you know, with the pubs, the pub closure, like now it's people are kind of 
are anxious, like, you know, they're waiting outside the door. Where's our table? You said an hour. Whereas you're having a point that gives you that bit of leeway or, you know, even if they've got kids, if they're able to bring them into some place and show them, but now there's just nothing open. It's a big, it's tough on them. Like, you know, it's, it's tough on tourists. It's tough on hospitality. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, but I don't know, hopefully like, you know, this time around when we get back open, we can stay open and, you know, get that plan to just get back to normal and see how, see what happens. A big thing that I've been uh, told over the last, especially since last year, and a lot of people would have came down to to Dingle, um, would be the prices of food is, is, is you know, it's, it's quite expensive. But yeah. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you really t- tapped into the market of affordability eating, but definitely it's not your fast food restaurant, fast food, you know, shop or whatever, shipper. It's a bit. It's more up market, but it's, it's extremely affordable for a family of four or five. Yeah, of course. Like so, um, basically, myself and Patrick obviously are young enough. Like, and um, you know, when we set up the model of the fish box, like we were, like he he wasn't long out of college himself, and I was just finished college. So like we were kind of, but well, we were broke anyway. But we wanted some place where we could go, you know, and you could come in and not only you know, get nice coffee, food, something, you know, you can get chowder or soup or something that's pan fried and have an option, you know, salads for everything so fresh and local. But we wanted to show people that you can have the best of everything for like a good price. And um, we obviously, you know, went for meals and places before we opened. And, you know, the thing that we found was that it was expensive. And um, not just not saying about Dingle, like, but, um, just in general, like that, it was some things are places are expensive and you don't get a massive portion. It's more kind of like a delicacy or, you know, and that's fine too. I understand. Now I understand that like when you've got a kitchen and you go into that kind of fine dining thing, it's a, the wastage and the, you know, the work that goes into it because it's an art um, is, is higher. Like, but we were just saying that in Dingle, like what we liked and we didn't really know about what everyone else liked. We were just kind of saying that we wanted to go into a place and get a big portion at a good price. And if we didn't finish it, so what? You know, um, and the trick was then to figure out how we were going to do it. Um, and we were just looking at, you know, like had Excels and Excels and Excel sheets of like prices of the fish that we were getting. And so basically we were saying, Jesus, like if we paid the boat a small bit more, you know, like we're getting kind of nothing because like we'd be selling prawns say, for 10 euros a kilo. And then we went to this market in Brussels and we seen this, the prawns for sale for like 40 euros 37 40 euros we were saying we're going out there like the lads are catching them we're packing them bringing them to jingle exporting them we're getting a tenner and next thing there's somebody else in the middleman just throwing on 27 euros 30 euros onto these prawns like so um we were saying like we cut out the middleman paid ourselves like paid the crew a small bit more you know maybe they wouldn't have to do so many days at sea it'd be more sustainable as they'd be getting like a upper market price for their fish and like we'd still be cutting out all the middlemen, so we'd process the fish ourselves, and like we'd have the fish at a really good price, so we'd be able to give out a bigger portion for a lesser price. But um, I suppose with Dingle, like the thing is, I think you know the prices in Dingle aren't extortionate. I think like you know when you go to Dublin and places, you'd find similar. Mm-hmm. But I think what's good about Dingle is that I think the people come here and they have this perception they're like, oh, it's Dingle down and carry the lads you know thrown on a fiver and it's not the case i think especially here in dingle like we've got some of the best chefs in the country here 
And I think that, uh, you know, when you look at the quality of the produce being used, local produce, local people supporting local families, like there is no price on that. You know what I mean? As in, like, I just see there, you know, we buy, like, all of our stuff is local. And I just see by supporting that, like, you know, it makes that bit easier for the for that business to survive, you know, the quiet winters we get here. But, um, yeah, I know I see it from both sides. Um, I know that, obviously, the perception here in the fish box is that the portions are quite big and the price is right, which is what kind of what we wanted. But that's because, you know, we catch a lot of the fish ourselves and we do a lot of the work in the middle ourselves as well. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, it's a, I suppose it's a good marketplace to be at, but... Um, yeah, so it definitely is now, and, and like the, the biggest thing is, um, like I, we're we're all quick to to give out if portions aren't big and all that, but definitely with the fish boxes you alluded to there, the portions are are massive, which means you're getting extreme value for your money, which is is the way it should, you know, which is great, and it's the way it should be. Um, but then if you want to go to that art market dining or whatever the case may be you know, you can, there's plenty of options in, in Dingle as well. So, you know, you have the best support worlds. Um, and yeah, so look, I suppose we'll, uh, we'll bring it back to just before the first lockdown, you know, obviously you would, you, perhaps you had a business plan and then lockdown happened, that, that business plan was thrown out the window. Um, how did you find, you know, dealing with each of the lockdowns? I think we're in lockdown number three or four now, or whatever it is. You know, we say from the first lockdown to now, was it extremely um, difficult? Yeah. So, uh, January two thousand and twenty, we did a big job here, and we obviously did the whole job out the back in the yard. We did a preparation kitchen out the back, and we put in this this state of the art kitchen, and literally, um, it was to kind of you know help out with the queues and to have a quicker service. And to really be able to keep up with the demand that we were kind of facing. Um, and obviously the plan was to get a bit busier, you know, when we got back open, that we'd be able to do more people quicker and pay off our bills and stuff. But um, yeah, about three weeks after we opened, obviously the first lockdown came. And to be honest, you know, I hadn't a clue about COVID, what it was or, you know, what it was going to be. I think a lot of people will feel like this because in Tingle, you know, we were seeing places like Kildare or Dublin, you know, the bigger towns like getting like very badly affected by it. But we didn't have we didn't have it here, like, you know what I mean? Um, we didn't have it. We didn't know what it was. We didn't, you know, like we didn't. It wasn't kind of not to say that it wasn't an issue, but like people were kind of being like Irish or it'll be gone in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of what I had in my mind. Like it'll just be whatever. I didn't realize the extent of it, you know. And I was doing a bit of running and I was happy out doing a bit of gym work and keeping busy. Like and I kind of. You know what? I kind of enjoyed the downtime a small bit, and I wrote the um, on our website. We've got the fish ebook. I wrote that something I kind of wanted to do. It's kind of a free recipe book, um, just to showcase kind of what we were about to give out some free things. You know, to use the fish that we catch, people can support. You know, it's a bit more Irish fish is kind of just what I had in my mind. But um, obviously, then the second lockdown came, and it was just after the summer, um, and we were exhausted. So that just kind of the same thing we were just kind of like whatever like we're kind of like okay here's another lockdown but sure look at a couple of weeks it'd be fine but I kind of felt when we opened up for Christmas and you know it'd be kind of back to normal that we were kind of going to go back we're in the right place and this lockdown's a bit different it's a, it's a bit tougher I think on the 
on everything like you know what I mean I don't know is it because the evenings are shorter or the weather's a bit colder but I think it's just definitely the toughest of the three I've kind of found that like you know it's kind of just like okay here we are <laughs> you know it's going to be the same crack again when we open up in the summer it's going to be really really busy and then it's just going to go back into another lockdown it's very hard to plan I think for the business from the business point of view to plan you know to you know like say now like we'd be looking at buying like a big bulk of packaging for the summer you know what I mean and I think it's very hard to you know justify doing that now when you don't know what's going to happen you know what I mean like I I, I don't I don't know like what's the like it's very hard to justify putting seating on the back when it, there's no we don't know like is it going to be level four or level three level two yeah there's no plan kind of like there's not nothing to say that and you know where people are going back to school and stuff now are the cases going to go back up you know is it going to go back down is there going to be another strain you know i suppose the first time we just thought it's going to be just it's just kind of one strain and that's it whereas now it's you know so many different variants it's it's very hard for us to to you know it's very hard to see what way it's going to actually go like is it going to you know especially for hospitality and and you know the pubs and things it's very hard to know like what's what's around the corner like you know and what do you currently you know what's your plan for the the next for the summer i know i looked i know the plan was only announced a couple of days ago um you know living with covid 2.0 or 1.2 whatever you want to call it but uh what's your what's your own plan now you know for the summer all going well um, to be honest, like yeah, we'd be very driven here. So we're we're already got a couple of different plans in place now for different scenarios. Um so basically what our plan is now is to get some outdoor seating set up mm-hmm. and get a kind of a system, a service system for that, and um, that we'd still be able to provide the takeaway service kind of more efficiently, as well as serving <clears throat> our our customer base that's outside um, and looking at maybe providing like a service inside the building as well. But we're hoping that the outside the outside service would just be so well set up that it would be kind of more comfortable for clients anyway or for customers um so yeah we're just kind of taking a week by week and just seeing like and we're just trying to <clears throat> trying to plan like it'd probably be predominantly i'd say takeout you know for for the foreseeable and um, because i i presume kind of after last summer they'd be very cautious on how to approach reopening and you know i, I couldn't imagine them opening it up and saying oh it's just hell for leather work away like I, I i would say that it's going to be i would say it's going to be kind of you know eased into it you know and we think that if you don't get june july august september you know after that it's it's fairly quiet anyway so you know if you be down to part-time days or whatever yeah yeah no i know it's, it's probably just a matter of being ready to go whenever things do become much clearer oh 100 um, yeah but definitely you're right i don't think things will be you know, opened up as as easy as they probably did last summer. Um, but we'll we'll bring it back to you know a bit of background into yourself. Um, and actually, before we do that, I we, we spoke off air there, and you told me you know a lot of times that you know you have a lot of staff between the boat and the, the fish box itself. How how many in total do you have on? We're saying in the peak of the summer. Obviously, it's it's a skeleton st- workforce at the moment. Yeah, so um, all year round, basically, the boat works 10, 10 people. Like, there'd be a couple of people off, doing a trip off, and they kind of rotate it. Um, 
whereas with fish box it's different it's, it's small but seasonal so kind of um in the peak of it we, we normally have around 25 or 6 i think on full-time um between part-time workers and full-time workers and even at the moment we still have two four six eight nine nine working all the time if you conclude my father 10 but um and yeah that- so it's 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 kind of it's is that in the in the fish box or is it in in the boat at the moment? Ten total, is it? That's just the fish box at the moment. Yeah, the fish box at the moment just ten. Um, the boat obviously now they went fishing today. They had seven on board. That's, and, that's what they went with six six lads on deck and Patrick the skipper. And you know when I suppose you know we we touched the point there a couple minutes ago about uh, you know about um, just uncertainty and this this lockdown is much different. Um, do you put any play, any things in place to to you know to help your staff over the last you know for this period? Yeah, so like um, it's hard. Like I try and keep in touch with all of them if I can. You know, I just pop them a message or try and be nice. And um, our our restaurant manager here is is very good at that. Like he's um, you know, he's very big on positivity and you know just kind of creating like a positive work environment like which is really really important here like you know what I mean because like it gets so busy in the summer that you can kind of lose the run of yourself and kind of forget why you started it so it's important to you know keep a bit of crack and have a bit of a laugh and you know have a positive like a really good rapport with your staff um so yeah to start this lockdown we got um, a gym for the for the staff so obviously the staff that are off because of COVID, can use it. But when they come back afterwards, it, it, it's for the whole staff team. So it's just the members of staff that are working in our, in our staff team at the moment that are using it. But um, yeah, it's it's created like something like a cool vibe. And it's created like a really positive, like health kick here. Like we're all watching, we're reading, you know what I mean? And um, it's good, like it's nice. It's kind of good for, you know, like it's, it's nice, like instead of going kind of the other way where we could have just went very lazy and stuff, we're all kind of just trying to work working out and, and exercising and it's you know, it's cool like it creates a nice kind of a bond it kind of creates something else to be talking about rather than what's on the news and you know what's going on inside the fish box you want to just talk about something else and we'll be talking about different programs and you know things that we're working on and it's cool like it's, it's nice i didn't i didn't actually think it would have such an effect positive effects that, that it's had on the place and definitely at the moment it probably had a massive it, it is having a massive effect on um on your on your mental health, you know, mental health of, of everyone because everyone has been affected at the moment. But it's you know, I suppose you know your staff members have goals, you know, when they go into the gym and it, that's good. And like that's that's quite amazing for you know for for you to do that. Um, it's uh, you know, hopefully it will it will expand and you know, hopefully it it is having it obviously is having a positive effect with the staff as well. Um. So look, we we bring it back to the early days, and just so we can get a kind of paint a, a clearer picture of yourself and um, of where the fish box kind of originated um, and your 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 uh, your history in in the fishing industry. Um, for people who don't know, uh, we we might just allow you just to give maybe you know forty second um, as I was, as I was told before forty second lift pitch pitch in the lift you know the lifts going up you forty seconds to tell, to tell them so yeah you might just give me a bit, a bit of a background there I, I do believe that you're involved since nineteen twenties in some shape or form yeah so basically the Flannerys are a, a fishing family here in Dingle um, 
you know, um, I suppose the fish box, fish box kind of stemmed from we have our own fishing trawler and uh, we wanted to kind of use our seafood in a really sustainable manner. And um, obviously Patrick is fishing the boat now and I kind of wanted to be involved, but I didn't want to be out at sea all the time. So um, this, this opportunity came up and we kind of just took it with the idea of having a full traceability on our seafood. And so basically he catches it. Uh, brings it in here to Dingle. My dad picks it up himself. My uncle fillet it, portion it, pin bone it, take the skin off it. <clears throat> and my mom is here working uh, as a chef. She cooks it. My sister puts it in a box, and I bring it out to the car. And that's kind of the or a plate, and I bring it out to the table. So that was kind of our idea. But kind of with the idea, we wanted to support all other local businesses. So we got um, local beer, local bread, um, local vegetables, local potatoes for our chips. And if we can't source the fish ourselves, we try and source it here locally in Dingle if we can, as best we can, and help other families and help other small businesses like ourselves because we know how hard it is. But um, I suppose given a background on us, um, yeah, we've been a fishing family since the 1920s. We're kind of like my great-grandfather would have had a boat. Um, so I suppose going back to like maybe the Ross Arkin, which would have been like... Uh, 1950, I think she came to Dingle. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on the dates. You know, all these dates come from when we're at family parties and there's a few uh, a few beers too many, I think, and, you know, they kind of pop out. But that would be my great-grandfather's boat, uh, Mickey Flannery. There's this cool photo um, I'll show you next time you're in of, uh, of the Ross Barkin in Dingle. And uh, my grandfather just standing on the stern of the boat just holding on to the, <clears throat> the aft gantry, so it's pretty cool. Success. But, um, yeah, my grandfather then kind of would have been, you know, the main catalyst of it. Obviously him and his brother, Michalin, he they, they were both fishing here in Dingle. Um, so my brother, my grandfather started out with the Guiding Star. I think he got it in 1963. And my granduncle then, Michalin, had the Arab Finbar. And they were fishing. They were kind of like, um, they were like 50-footers, like 50-foot BIM boats they were fishing with. But um, obviously they were kind of expanded from there. Like and, uh, in 1970, he got the... He got a BIM, a BIM grant to bring in a 70-foot Norwegian-built boat. And I was telling you just off the air that we just recently got the drawings of it. Like, but um, when it came to Dingle at the time, and again, I have a picture here in the shop like, of it. It was just pure white. The boat was pure white. It was in Dublin Dock, and you can see my father there. He was obviously as a child, went up on the train, came to home, and the boat steamed it around back to Dingle. Like, I think she was the most, uh, the most expensive boat in Ireland at the time. She was actually the first boat to have a power block like a hydraulic block at the back, the stern of the boat. But um, my dad always laughed. He said, yeah, they weren't, ever, they weren't the first people to use it because they were afraid of it. So there was other boats obviously came in and were using them. They'd seen how handy it was and they got it themselves. They started using it then. Like. But um, he obviously changed that boat. Like his boats were called like Guiding Star, Star Immaculate. He was fierce religious, him and my grandmother. She would have done all the business for the boat. He was on the fishing and he was, she was doing all the, the, the books. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... They obviously, um, I think in the early, mid-70s, they bought a, they kind of had a bar in Dingle then to star in. So they had the star immaculate boat, the star in bar. You know what I mean? Which used to be kind of like a dance hall. So it was kind of cool, like, um, whatever. Like, I'd never seen any pictures of it, but uh, apparently like, it's just this busy, just the place to be. Like, my dad used to be kind of working in the bar there. And he used to say, like, that all these, the Clancy brothers and whoever used to be playing music there. He's all these names of like oh it's like people who play Irish Irish like you know like trad music but um, yeah. yeah again like as when he was telling me the story sure it's at family events like and trying trying to remember <laughs> the names and sure it's no good 
but um, yeah, my grandfather kind of was uh, like he was held in, in very high regard, kind of around around at the Irish coast, like you know, a very nice man, a gentleman, like. But um, he obviously uh, set up the lads, like he had four four sons, four sons. He set them all up, and um, my father, Huey, Paul, and Patrick. So my father, Huey and Paul, all got both then. So my father had the three brothers. Huey uh, had the Terra Nova and Paul took over the Star Immaculate. Um, so basically they kind of went both ways. My father kind of went on his own then. And Paul, my uncle, went on his own with Huey working for him as a skipper. So um, it was kind of cool. Um, obviously they were kind of working for, for their parents until kind of the, the kind of 2000s when things kind of took off for them. Um, and this big kind of BIM grant came along and my father went away and built this big uh, 35 meter trawler in Spain and he was out on his own and it's his first time on his own and uh, in 2004 Paul went away and he built Guiding Star which was kind of like a class it's still class of its own of a, of a boat like really like really really class boat like but um, you know they were they were um, whatever uh, kind of doing their own thing then they're kind of working their own businesses but uh my grandfather and grandmother were kind of in the background you know what i mean still helping them out and, and stuff but um in 2007 then my father sold uh, the emerald dawn things just didn't go to plan it was just uh yeah it was sad really and i was kind of time there's something i don't know when you kind of work for something your whole life and you get it and with the kind of recession and just the way the boat was and the way the fishing industry went, whatever, kind of, it just didn't work out. And um, he sold the boat and uh, bought the boat that we have now, the Kunamara. But uh, yeah, so then obviously had the Kunamara for a couple of years and it wasn't going too good. And kind of had its ups and downs and kind of just never got out of the blocks, kind of, you know, I think my dad kind of lost a bit of interest in, in it kind of you know but when Patrick finished college in 2012 he was fishing the boat all the time there was just one evening down at home there was just uh stacks and stacks of papers and I just said you know what what's the story here like and uh whipped out all the papers anyway organized all the files and was like right got a bookkeeper in I was like I need to figure out what's going on here like so we went through it and kind of myself and Patrick kind of took over then he was doing all the kind of um, fishing side of it and I was doing the paperwork side of it and uh, kind of we were doing craft to be honest at the start like as in it was his first time kind of really doing it and it was my first time kind of doing it we hadn't a clue what was going on and um, after about six months this got around my father and he wants to sell my dad wants to sell the boat like he wants to get rid of it and we said Arif give us six months kind of this is like 2013 14 said Arif give us six months and he said okay and it was just kind of the end of the six months we're just coming coming out of it kind of like it was just starting to get just starting to go a bit better for us like so I think it was 2015 it kind of it, it went well for us like we were doing pretty good we were kind of being more efficient and in 2016 then we were having a really good year and um, this came up obviously and uh, only four people knew about the building uh, my father Patrick myself and we told my grandfather and whatever my mom didn't even know like about it my sister's brother other brother paul didn't know about it no one knew and uh we bought the building anyway <laughs> and, just, and it was just this big thing like everyone was saying geez who bought the building and who bought the those pediatics it was originally like and uh just after we bought it anyway my grandfather passed away 
and uh, I have it in the shop here. Like all his boats were blue and white. You know, obviously Star Immaculate, Guiding Star for Mary Immaculate. It was her color or lady's colors. So when we had it, we, we were going to call it Paddy's Place, and place the fish, you know, kind of punny. And uh, it was about two or three months before we opened. All the original drawings have that on it. All the original email addresses, Paddy's Place. That's what it was going to be. And uh, we just painted the place, the fish box, his colors. We wanted everything to kind of have a meaning. So, you know, when people come in and ask us about it, we tell them we have pictures of him, you know, from that the, the star mackerel that time when he came in in the 70s to like he had a small little kind of a punt to be fishing in with his friend just before he died. Same colors, blue and white. So it's kind of cool. We can tell people that when they come in and, you know, I try and remember him that way. So it's quite nice. I suppose we're lucky kind of like he was he was mad for fish. Like, so I'd say if he, if he was allowed to see it, he would have been pretty proud of what we're trying to do. And I'd say he would have been a regular here. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's amazing. No, and it's, there's no doubt that you, you are doing you are doing and proud. Um, just what you've achieved today has been absolutely amazing. And definitely only starting out as well. I think after COVID, it'll, it'll you know go on a couple of more steps. Um, just to, to add on to that point, there, where where did the fish box, the name fish box, come? Then you were saying it was Paddy's place. Um. So Paul, my other my other brother Paul, I was just chatting with him one day about a coffee, like we're having a coffee, and I was telling him about this. Uh, I was telling him like that. Whatever I had seen these fish boxes because I had gone to hundreds of hundreds of places like fine dining restaurants, takeaways, kind of like these all these places like that before we'd opened and I was kind of like um, and I I'd seen this place that they were doing takeaways like it happened in a few places where they had the box and I was like I want to put them into the box because you can sit down and eat it out of the box and it's kind of like a it's kind of quirky you know what mm. I mean I was like I'm gonna brand my box and this. And he was like, why don't you just call it the fish box? The fish comes in a fish box. It goes out in the fish box. And I was like, you know what? That's catchy. Jeez. And I just <laughs> I just used it then. We we um, got a, he's a neighbor of ours for the Flannery to do our branding. And I was like, this is the name we're kind of thinking, fish box. And he was like, fish box, great name. And I was like, this is what I was doing, kind of this, this crack all the time. So yeah, it's got the fish box name in and it's just, it just stuck. So it's kind of like the fish box slash Flannery seafood bar, but the Flannery seafood bar part just just got blown away by the fish box. <laughs> and the, the the seafood um Flannery seafood part, we say the, the seafood bar. Sorry, is that something you kind of be thinking about doing down the line? And what do you mean by seafood bar? Yeah, so basically, what it was meant to be was the fish box was going to be anything that was going to be taken away in the box, like any of the fish and chips or the fish box itself, the dish we do. And the seafood bar part was going to be like, you know, the curries and the prawn fried rice and, uh, you know, the kind of the kind of upper market kind of classier stuff we do. Mm. Not this classier, but the kind of more kind of like, I don't know, the more kind of sit-in stuff that's not kind of more, that's not as, you know, common. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was meant to be. There was going to be two parts of the of the fish box, two sides of the box. But um, yeah, no, it never really took off. Just the fish box just took over. That was it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's amazing, like you know how you plan all these things, and then just something just takes off, and you just have to go with it. Like don't you? You can't try to turn the character around, and you know, and try try to get that going. Whatever works works. Um, and no, it's definitely like you, my own business. You no, know, you you planned for certain things to happen, and if you don't happen, you just have to drive on, and it'll, it'll work. It'll work out eventually. <laughs> Something I always did find interesting um, is 
we say the actual fishing aspect of it. Do you know when the boat goes out, um, what determines a good result? Um, so basically when they go out, they're targeting like a specific species. So sometimes they're like monkfish, sometimes they're a prawn, sometimes they're a haddock. Um, I suppose, you know, uh, I don't really know how to answer it. I don't think they'll ever be happy. It doesn't matter what they catch. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose with, quote, with the way the quotas and stuff are at the moment, I think to get the, the best quality seafood for your quota, I think is, the, is a good result. You know what I mean? If you can fill your quota and... Um, and get kind of a, a big grade, like a like a big size of prawn or good grade of fish, or just get a good market for it, and that the that the crew come back safely, and that they're getting a good wage out of it. Mm-hmm. Then I think that that that's a good trip. And how far out would would I know? Um, obviously some boats are different, but how far out would yourselves go? Uh, so Patrick and the lads went out today, and they're going about 180 miles west of the Blaskets. So that's from like here to Galway, maybe. Jeez. Yeah, straight out. So yeah. And like would would this is gonna be a stupid question, all right, but would you find prawns somewhere and you wouldn't find yeah different type of fish somewhere else? Yeah, so all the <clears throat> the sea bot the seabed is different at different places, like so say for prawns, it's kind of in sandy ground. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you get them in hard ground, but they kind of burrow into the ground. You know what I mean? You're trying to get them up, trying to get them into the net. That's interesting. Though. Uh, how did you find, you know, when you went out with, um, when you would have went out before, how did you find it been out there? Like, been out of sea must be tough, you know, the seasickness and all that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, do you know what? I used to get very seasick. So I used to hate it. And I used to get so worked up about it before I even went. So I'd be sick before I even got on the boat. And my father's the same way. Like, he was, he's actually telling me that my, uh, my grandfather used to live in Ashmont up in you know, on top he used to walk down through the fields go to the pier to go fishing and if the wind was a certain way he'd be getting sick seasick in the fields before he even got to the boat and he told me like before that like he was sick kind of always like he never got over the seasickness so i don't know is it because he told me that like every time i went out i couldn't forget it <laughs> <laughs> and i couldn't get over it kind of like do you know what i mean <clears throat> it's something that's in your head like i think you can you can get over it do you know it's something like i don't know it's like a fear i think more so yeah, especially if it's there from if someone said to you at a young age, you know, you're kind of in the back of your mind and all the time. Yeah. Um, Brexit, is that affecting you or will it affect you or, or, or what's yeah. the makeup? I, I think so, kind of with the boat, um, there'll definitely be areas we won't be able to fish maybe five years down the line. It's okay for now. But I know there's that thing with, with Rockall where they wouldn't leave the boats within the six miles, which is a problem. <clears throat> and I know just before Christmas we had a specific set of fishing nets on the boat and you had to get authorization to fish in UK waters and we didn't get the authorization we had to take out all the nets change them which is a bit of a disaster and I think with the fish box it'll be hard with getting certain things I think potatoes might be a problem you know obviously they obviously for the fresh cut chips they import a lot of potatoes from their UK potatoes and if they're not able to import them I don't know are they going to be able to supply fresh cut potatoes i don't know what's i don't know what's the makeup of it like i know that we buy our potatoes from the o'connor brothers and the maharis and last year when they knew that it was coming that they set a lot of their own potatoes and they tried them here with us and they were absolutely delicious like so we're hoping that we'd be able to just work with that and that'd be better for them you know they're growing their own their own produce and so yeah that's what we're hoping for <laughs> i don't know i don't know really what else 
I don't know, you see, like a lot of the wholesalers we deal with here would have, you know, I don't know where they're getting their stuff. Mm-hmm. But definitely prices have gone up a small bit on the things we're buying, you know, tin things or whatever. But we're lucky, I suppose, with the boat because with the menu it's we wrote it in a chalkboard it's not it's not written in stone so we can change it all the time and so like if the worst comes to the worst we can just use just exactly what the boys bring in every single week you know and just have a small menu and just see how it goes yeah no that's that's uh that's definitely you know that's interesting and it's like you know well you know so the third what was the farthest you ever went out on the boat um see it's different um I have a funny thing up my uh, in the in the the boat I was telling you about that my dad had they used to be fishing a thing called orange ruffies and he used to do deep water, but they went to this place before um they were fishing in a place called the Azores. I don't know you can you can they're like these small islands like like way down southwest of here like I'd say that's the farthest that the boat ever went away, any boat that we've ever had. Yes. But um, I know that he sold one of the other boats to Croatia, which is a bit of a, a steam like it's about a week on the boat. I think you know you have to go down. Uh, down around Spain and Portugal, and you know it's a bit of a trek. Like, <laughs> and what's the what like what's like, you know, going around the coast? Like, do you ever go fishing <clears throat> in the boat or anything like that? I don't know. Like, no. <clears throat> so there is boats fishing on these coasts for prawns and stuff. But we we never go up there. Um, it just doesn't. It's just not. We just try and stay on this, the west and south coast and the, the northwest coast if we could. You know what I mean? Like, and just stay out of the way. Stay kind of what. Kind of what we know, like so. Fishing's funny, like say what my father would have learned, he would have passed down to Patrick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And Patrick's just kind of working off a lot of his knowledge, even though he's learning a lot. John, he learns a lot himself, obviously, but that's kind of where he works with it. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen at sea, or you've heard? To be fair, like I didn't spend that much time there, so um, I didn't see too. You're smiling there now, so uh, you haven't seen or heard something. Yeah, um, the lads, Jesus, you know. Patrick, it'd be funny to ask Patrick this. Uh, he'd probably seen some mad stuff, like, but um, I don't really know. Like, some some people, like, um, so obviously you're in a confined space for a lot of time, you know what I mean? So you see a lot of, like, if you're the people that you're working with, you see a lot of their traits and what they do, and kind of, you know, everybody's different, and it's, it's crazy because you see people from all, all over the world. But we used to have this guy, he used to make a sandwich. And he used to have literally everything in it, like a toasty. So just like a triple decker sandwich. He'd have jam, Nutella, cheese, ham, Jeez. like literally anything he could find in the th- in the press, like could be in it, like you know what I mean. I never, I never seen this ridiculous concoction. <laughs> it's a, it was just, it was just a tower, like you know what I mean. One half it would be totally sweet, and the other half would be completely savoury. And I don't know how he ate it in one go. Like I don't know how. It's like every morning, breakfast, like a breakfast sandwich, like. That'd be one, that was one of the maddest things I've seen out there. But yeah, I don't know, really. Like, I, I don't think it's as wild as people think, you know. I think it's kind of like kind of like a college house, really, like, without the, the yeah. amenities. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And, like, do, do you know when you're going to see, like, how do you plan, you know, because you're, you're obviously not going to be near, you know, a shop, whatever the case, you know, you're not going to be hopping into a shop there. Do you know how, like, yeah. it's mostly hard, but I suppose it's something that kind of comes with time. Yeah, so like I suppose when you're going like the boat obviously has Wi-Fi now, which is good. And uh, before it was like a tel- uh, satellite phone, which took cover to keep cutting in and out. So I can speak to the boat now on WhatsApp, like whenever, whenever I want, like you know. So that's good. Uh, to plan basically like um, I just see Patrick. Like I used to just copy him to be honest. I used to just bring loads of clothes, even though there's a washing machine and dryer on the boat. I used to just bring 
all my clothes like if we're going for two weeks i'd have 14 of everything like you know what i mean and yeah. that'd be it in a few spares like and i used to just get some sweets like you know what i mean i used to go down to the shop and spend 20 or 30 euros on just sweets and you know just it's just little things that make a difference out there even though like they'd have their own bits on the boat like everything would be there but just have your own stash of chewing gums or something like that i uh a couple of years ago and <laughs> i don't know the fella the fella might listen to this i don't know but we were stuck for a fella to go out fishing like for one trip and obviously outside there's no phone coverage like or anything you know what i mean and uh i picked him up at his house like and we were, we were going out two-week trip and um we'd no wi-fi in the boat at the time it was just a satellite phone so you know when you go out like when you get up in the morning like you go out obviously and it gets dark and when you wake up there's no land you can't see anything no phone coverage no nothing like but uh and i don't think people realize like you're out there like there's they're literally out there you have a satellite phone and that's it there's no like back like that that time we didn't have the internet on the boat there was no you know like your phone doesn't work you're you're out there but the tv the tv worked. we had 3g nothing like no no just we had satellite sky tv that was it that's your that's your immunity like but um i picked him up anyway like he'd never been on the boat before and i said come here we're super fella just pair of hands come on away and uh He's like, right, right, right. And I said, you know what? It would be handy enough. Like, you know, I said, you can, um, you know, I said, be handy money. Like, come on away. Like, and, you know, I, I knew it was going to be tough, like, whatever, because, you know, it's tough for everyone. But um, I picked him up anyway. And he goes, can I stop in the shop? And I said, yeah, yeah. So we stopped in Warren's garage. And he went in. He came out with a 20 euros credit. And I was like, um, I said, what you get? And he's like, oh, 20 euros credit. And I was like, all right. He's like, yeah. He said, I'll have free texts and free calls for the, for the couple of weeks we're out now. And that'll be it. So he put, put in the credit. And I said, no more. I kind of didn't really think about it, to be honest. <laughs> we were coming in after about 12 days. And he was there for flip's sake. He was there. Sure, my credit's gone now, he said. Sure, there was, <laughs> there was no phone. <laughs> Two weeks of his month, of his month free calls and texts gone out the boat. <laughs> Oh my god, it must be a big shock to the system. Um, oh Jesus, yeah, it's, oh man, I don't know. I never really asked him afterwards when he thought about it, but he, he just laughs about it anytime that I ask him. He's like, Oh, yeah, it's handy. Yeah, he started saying it's very handy. <laughs> as uh, just background on yourself, no, as a young fella, you were um, you were very talented at, at football and something you you played, I think you might play a bit of soccer as well. and with, with Dingle, like what takeaways would you have had from, say, your sporting career, you know, as you're growing up, crosses over into owning your own business though as an entrepreneur? Um, it's a funny one. I actually read this question. I didn't know how to answer it. Um, <laughs> because I think when you're playing football, like obviously, you know, when you're growing up or whatever, football can be kind of, even though it's a team game, it can be very kind of individualized. So obviously when you're good, obviously perceived as being good when you're growing up, you know, I played as a forward, like, and you'd be very kind of like selfish as a player. Um, and I suppose like, you know, if you ask any forwards now, like that's, that's the way they kind of have to be. They have to be selfish. And I think growing up, like, you know, um, I would have been very hard, I think, to play with. I would have been very demanding of, everybody else because I would have been very driven myself like I would have trained hard as a young young fella growing up I would have been like done a lot of practicing and you know and I used to take that on the pitch and be kind of quite I don't know like I would have been very kind of like angry I think as a player you know what I mean I would have had to been like 
I would have only been, I would have been one of these watching the Raikin videos before going playing games just to try and get psyched up or whatever. And uh, I still play a bit of football, like, and I think it's kind of a bit different now. And I think, like, from football, you kind of get obviously some leadership, um, some leadership skills, like, you know, but it's different when you go to the restaurant. And I seen it in the boat the first couple of years. You know, I would have been very hot headed and kind of like, you know, just kind of said things like, all right, you know, if somebody says it, I was like, all right, I don't care. Like, anyway, just if you want to, you know, I wouldn't have ever thought about putting an arm around a fella and saying, Jesus, come on, you know, like, and Patrick and just kind of said to me one time, he said, you get more sugar than salt. And I was like, yeah. And here, like, you know, on the, when I open up the fish box, I try and be very conservative with things. And even when people say things to me, I try and walk away for a while and kind of think about it for an hour or two and then come back or even a day or two sometimes. And that's kind of the way I, that I rock with it. Like, but um, from the football, you know, you take a lot of motivation out of it and I'd be very competitive and probably the best thing, you know what I mean? I'd like to be, you know, I'd like to be at the top, top of the game. I'd like to be kind of trying to be the best at what I'm doing always. And that there are things you take from football, but definitely even now, like looking back, like, you know, before I suppose I'd be very kind of like standoffish and be you know kind of like era you know he can fend for himself or you know like that's not my problem like whereas now I'd try and put an arm around a fella and be like look here we'll all come together and you know trying to be more team orientated I'd be I'm kind of big into that kind of like teamwork and positive and reinforcement and you know trying to create a very positive energy rather than a negative energy you know like if you're creating like a negative if you're angry you know, it does, it does zap other people. Like, and I, and I think that by being positive and being kind of proactive, you know what I mean? And I think like with anything, like even with football and with, with business, you know, everybody's an expert on the problems, mm. you know, and we kind of have a rule here. Like we know what the problem is, come back with a solution. You know what I mean? Come with solutions, solutions, solutions. And since we started doing that, like, you know, we've, we've come on leaps and bounds like here. It's been, like amazing like the way that we like like converse with each other and the way that we help each other and the kind of the bond that we formed like within the core staff group especially and you know like it's it, it is it's 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 cool like it's a cool cool way to be but football definitely helps like as in being in a team environment all the time being able to have the crack you know they're the people that you grew up playing with are the uh each other friends for life like you know what i mean and even with the dingle dingle senior team now we've just a very strong bond there like you know, it's, it's good laugh all the time and it's an amazing setup to be part of, really, to be honest. And one of the reasons that I can't seem to get away from it. <laughs> and do you know what we say, kind of just interpreting what you just uh, just said there, I take it that since you opened up the, the fish box, um, it probably forced you to uh, analyse how you dealt with people and kind of analyze yourself and kind of analyze maybe your your attitude um do you think that's something on the players probably need to do you know because at the end of the day you need to delegate and you need to have teamwork yeah 100 percent. so um the first year and a half here like we didn't have a manager or kind of like a head chef or anything we were just kind of slogging along every day i was telling you off air like um we obviously brought in the restaurant manager here and a head chef but like as i was saying to you like being competitive and being kind of like <clears throat> very eager to get things done like I've been trying to tr trying to train my mind like to just step back and 
we try and sit down and have a meeting once a week of what we're going to try and do for the week, our objectives and our goals for the week and how we're going to do it in a kind of good way. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we do it and sometimes we fail. And, you know, failure is good too because, like, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big thing, like, you know, like, fail, you try again. You know, you get knocked down, you get up. And, like, if we don't do it one week, you've learned that just that way might work this time, but, like, we'll just try a different way and try different approaches to it. But, um, 100% like delegation at this crack is, is so so important I was just telling you about about obviously my weight and um my overall health uh, at the end of the season like I did every day basically like I was trying to balance that and playing a bit of football and you know it's just wasn't sustainable for me like you know what I mean I lost two stone and whatever like and I find a big part of my day we've got a guy involved with us and kind of a a mentor and he's he's been amazing especially with me about like organization and uh like i, I really spend time i keep a diary on the next day the night before i spend 15 or 20 minutes nothing about kind of like how i think or you know nothing about my feelings or anything like that but i just try and plan my day and i have no waste of time because as i was telling you off air like even today I took the dog for a walk, 40 minutes. I had a block, 40 minutes to get it in. And just, you know, like, it's tough to step away from the business and just get that time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I see, obviously, other entrepreneurs and things like that, they get up at 7 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, like, that's grand, getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning. But when you're working in the restaurant here in the summer, if I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and... You know, I do all my my calls and my business and and whatever. You know, then I come to twelve. Excuse me, I come to twelve o'clock, and uh, you know, you're going into meeting a couple of hundred people mm-hmm. to tell them your story and try and get out there. It's very hard, like to keep your energy up. And if you're playing a bit of sport, like sleep is so so important to that recovery and you know your whole body's function. So like trying to get everything in your your water and your food and you know, I try and organize everything as much as I can now, but I think sleep is a is a definitely a big thing for um sleep is definitely a big thing for you know longevity, mm. delegation, you know, help out. And I, I I'm big as I told you on team here. Like I want everybody to help out. I like delegating roles here, mm-hmm. giving people like I've one one um employee here and their job is just literally to the crack, just having the crack, just organizing to us, Chris Kringle nights out a few drinks pizzas whatever and just to have a crack like a zoom meeting and just have a bit of a laugh and that's all i wanted them was just to have a good time like you know what i mean definitely in business and in sport like to in business and in sport like if you're not enjoying it you know and there definitely was a time when we opened up here firstly like i couldn't enjoy the two things like one or the other and i kind of fell off the wagon and sort of you know it's planning it's it's, it's been better for me like yeah, so they, they, you pointed on something there, um, mentor. I think that's very important. Or even if it's not really an official mentor, it's kind of someone just to have the arm around you um, that has been through business, you know, and they're able to just kind of, it's kind of really, I suppose, just to focus or force your mind to think in a different perspective. Yeah, of course, like, you know, because obviously, like, when you think of something yourself, you're kind of like, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. but there's people that have been around the block there's people who've been there done that like you're it's very rare that you're the first person to do something and um, 
you know, it's hard, like, sometimes, you know, and business can be frustrating, especially with COVID and things. Sometimes you just need somebody to put the arm around you and say, look, try it this way, or I've been through this before, here's a bit of advice, or, you know, something or something or other, like, and it's, you know, sometimes it's important. Sometimes you need somebody to give you a bollocking. Sometimes you need someone to put the arm around you. It's people work in different ways, like, you know what I mean? And definitely important. I, I definitely like talking to people that are in different businesses and seeing how they deal with it and, one of the most interesting people I met actually was uh, Finn Gleeson from Bunsen Burger. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, my God. What burgers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was uh, such a, an intelligent, intelligent guy. He was cool. knew the crack. It just really helped me in a time that I, I just needed someone to uh, just reassure me on a few things. And, you know, you're just not sure what road you want to go down. And he was just mm-hmm. put me on the right track. That's not. That's, uh, that's amazing. What like what they're doing in, in Dublin is 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 crazy. Like it's what a business model. What a simple business model, but so yeah. effective. Like it's, you know, again, it's it's high quality and it's it's, it's amazing. Um, actually, like you probably don't remember this now, but years ago when we were in college, um, I remember I had, I had a conversation. Like it was definitely around you well somewhere. Like, but I, just, I can't exactly put my my finger on it. Um, but you did mention that you know there might be the possibility of yourself and your brother open up a business in Dingle. I think, it could, and obviously that came to fruition then in in August eighteen. How difficult was it to open those doors? <laughs> it wasn't the case of just doing it the next day. It's a long, complex oh, road. It was crazy, like um, literally, yeah, like serious family affair. Um, we really pulled out everything we had like to get it going and it was tough like Jesus we had the clue what we were doing like and we were just like we were just ordering like you know tables and chairs and bits and bobs a couple of days before we opened like and we were literally in here painting in the dark like it was dark in here just the phone the lights off our phones and all building stands and things like that for weeks before we opened like we painted the whole, nearly the whole place to ourselves did loads of the work ourselves and it was just like oh man it was torture like really was like because for ages like we didn't know what we were going to do like we didn't know if it, what it was going to be and then obviously we wrote the menu and just got going from there but yeah it was mad like it's it's hard when you open something first because you don't really know what it's going to be like mm, you know what definitely. I mean you don't really know how it's going to go and you just have to jump in with two feet and <clears throat> just roll with the punches and see how it goes. And that's basically all we did. We just we just jumped in, yeah, naive, very naive, and did it like and just and just learned kind of as we went along. Like it was it was nuts. But fair play to Patrick, like as in he kind of just let me left me alone. Like he knew I had an idea, left me be, left me left me do my thing, like and you know, I left him do his thing with the boat, and it was kind of just worked out pretty good. Like, I, I'd be big, well, I'd be kind of adamant enough that you know, sometimes you can, you can probably maybe over plan these things. And mm-hmm. if you're, if you're very fixated on a plan, then and the plan is, you know, is scrapped or affected in some shape or form, you know, you might, you might go down the right route, or something might happen. Um, but. Definitely with business, I think, yeah, obviously, yeah, I plan to a certain degree, but at the same time, you just have to go to punches, like, definitely. Yeah, like, it's funny, like, uh, food is crazy, like, it's just, food is, like, just numbers, like, it's just grams to the price, and that's it. But, like, 
apologies to all the chefs that, that are, if there's any chefs listening like but I never ever did a food pricing ever until about six months ago I'd say I never priced a dish I never like Jeez. it was just purely off the top of my head like I was just like as in not in the case of that top of my head but in the case of like I wanted to do this dish like it's a project costing such and such like like normally people have a margin like oh it has to be three three to one or four to one or five to mm. one like even if I was if I wasn't making anything off the dish like if I felt that it was good value and it was nice and people were going to enjoy it I just do it like and I was writing the menus here all the time for the fish box like up until recently and like I never had any food experience I was just doing things that I just like used to come off YouTube I just like to look at something or I like the taste of something and I just roll with it then just mix this and that and just doing a pure off taste like so I'd say like people are probably like listening to that being like Jesus like whatever like that's definitely people in the food industry because you know like now the menu is down to like the gram and to the to the scent and like it's very efficient but before like it was just kind of like I like that throw it on or I don't like that take it off and that was it <laughs> I suppose something there you you touched on and maybe you might be you you might have been aware of it that um as a business person you know the way you you say you'd no previous experience as chefing but you knew who had you know and you know you knew those expertise you knew who to draw upon for example your mother or or um, other head chefs that you're after button in place like so that's like that's important as well that's very important in business because you know you can't be burning the candle from both ends. Here, here is me, you know, saying this like, and I know I'm culprit all the time, but uh, yeah, no, that's definitely something that's that's important. Um, so yeah, the- just it's so like, and the matter, like the amount of stuff that I learned, like about how to read people, like not even to read people, just to to just understand if they're a good fit or not for the team. I think it's so important, like if they're not a good fit, to just get rid of them straight away because it's just going to cause hassles on the line. You know what I mean? You want to just you literally want people who want to fit into the team, like they're going to be good for the team in some mm-hmm. some form. You know what I mean? They might be the best at one thing, but they might be very good at something else. And they might just gel in. You know, it's like a jigsaw, kind of like the pieces have to fit. And that's just that's just the way it is. When you started out, well, you kind of answered this already, actually, but had you a certain marketing strategy in mind or was it something that kind of evolved over time? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Had to, I've no no experience in business or anything or marketing. I do all the social. I do nearly all the social media for the fish box. Um, any of the the better quality videos are done by Aiden. But uh, <laughs> other than that, <laughs> I did uh, most of the kind of other stuff is myself. But um, yeah, like I just wanted to. The whole idea with the fish box is to get people to eat more people eating more Irish fish. That's what I wanted. That's what Patrick wanted. That's what my dad wanted. Like, and then we wanted to give an offering of Irish seafood in a really new style, a new trend, off the cuff, just like cool twist to it. That people like, you know, and what I seen was that people were going from, there was young people coming in all the time. Like I never seen young people eating fish before. Like kids that have been like, we'll only eat fish in the fish box. And like to hear that from people is just so like so good. Like it's just like this that's why you're doing it. And you get reviews from people and they're like, oh, we loved it. And like I just wanted to give people a dining experience where it was good value, good portion, 
great service, like great service, great food, and great value. That was my thing. Like, and with the fish box, there's bright colors, tells the story of my grandfather. The music is really upbeat. It's small, it's loud in there, you know, with the music turned up. You know, like my whole thing was that if somebody came in, they hadn't talked to anybody for the whole day, they're living on their own, they come in, they can talk to us. So we'll talk to them, not too much talk, but enough talk. That'd be a nice, warm atmosphere, good vibe, good music, and that they'd leave happy. No matter what day they're having, they'd leave and they're happy. That was kind of just the idea I had and just see if it would work. <laughs> and then just you kind of just win from there. Um, that's like that is another yeah. thing, you know, we, when you walk into the fish box, whether you know, when when you people sitting down or um, you know, when it's takeaway, is that uh, is that kind of I don't know how am I going to put this. This that family feel. Um, maybe it's just because there's always one of you or one of the family, either it's you or or uh, or Emer. You know, there's always someone around. Of course, yeah, it's important. You know what I mean? Like, and um, obviously, like, yeah, me or Emer or our manager, and um, we'd always That's be able to yeah. like, You know, need to tell the story. And Maeve, we've got a, a girl working, a couple of girls working in the front and they're excellent. In fairness, like the team, when they come to work here, like we tell them our story and they're absolutely excellent at telling people like, you know, we, we want to spread the word about the fish, the sustainability, the traceability, you know, the family feel. And they are just like the staff team that we have here are just unbelievable. Like they're, they're, they're a family, like it's a the fish box family. It's like, it's crazy when you actually sit down and think about how much they put into put into it. Mm-hmm. Nothing is too much of an ask for them. You know what I mean? They're they really are special. So actually something very interesting about you, Michal. Um before you 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 know decided to pursue the career in in uh in you know open up the fish box, um your your career path was looking quite different. Yeah, so um I actually did four years in UL and did um, engineering technology teaching. So yeah, uh, qualified as a teacher. And I suppose ha- but in just the start of year four, um, we obviously bought the building and kind of, you know, I had my heart set on that. I'm very kind of, a, I'm very kind of, um, I don't know how to say it, kind of like strong headed. I'd love to, I like, I like to be my own boss, like charge my own time. So, um, yeah, did four years in UL doing teaching. I learned a lot, met a lot of cool people. Um, enjoyed it but just wasn't for me I don't think um, I always did the course with the idea of just going in working in a chemical kind of factory or you know doing a bit of design I, I love design and bits like that but um, yeah the teaching never really took off for me I, I, I don't know why and even a few times with the fish box like during the second lockdown <clears throat> I did two weeks of subbing for a friend he just needed a hand and uh, <clears throat> I think I have to do it once a year just to reassure myself that it's not you know, that's not what I want. <laughs> no, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, without obviously giving away too much information, you kind of touched on earlier on about what you're doing with hopefully for the summer. COVID probably throwing this now, you know, um, throwing issues at this. But what would be the long term plan plan for the for the fish box? Would it be the possibility of expanding beyond the beyond the peninsula? Yeah, Jesus, it's funny. It's actually a funny question. Um, so obviously Patrick's in the boat, and I'm here. I want more fish boxes and he wants more boats. <laughs> so, so I don't know. To be honest, the fish box is, is so new that um, we obviously have aspirations to expand, expand the brand, like, you know what I mean? And hopefully open up more shops. But um, in the kind of short term future, we're looking for maybe a place where we can process a bit more of our, of our fish. 
So it takes a bit of the pressure off the boat, you know what I mean? That they're not, you know, like accommodating us for the seafood and stuff all the time for us to go down and use their facilities that we can have our own facilities. And I think that if we can get um, a distribution point that we could definitely open up more, it would open up more avenues for us. And um, with the boat, it's obviously getting a small bit older now. And um, we'd love to, you know, I don't know what way Brexit's going to go. So it's so hard to know because if Brexit goes the wrong way for the fishing, you know what I mean? It tightens up any more quotas, like it may not be viable for us long term. Um, and we'd have to look at maybe looking into something else and diversifying or, you know, maybe getting a smaller boat or, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. It's just everything's so up in the air at the moment. It's so hard for us. But um, definitely in the in the diary here, we are looking at maybe expanding the fish box, you know, developing a really nice brand and, you know, like a quality brand. And hopefully, you know, seeing another shop open somewhere and just see how it goes. We don't really, like, as, as I said, like, it's impossible to know, like, because... You know, six months ago, things were going so well. I'd say, hey, look, another year now and we'll, we'll open another one. But sure, then you get put back into lockdown. You're saying, she's so we better. Like, what's the point? Yeah, it, has, it has to be, I think, you know, I've seen a big change in my mindset in the business that I have to be enjoying it. I have to enjoy what I'm doing because if I'm going into work and every single day, and I can't see my friends and I can't see, you know, my family and I can't see the other half. Like, I can't see, you know, like, I can't go for a walk with a dog or, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't get out and there's no escape for me. Like, it's hard to enjoy something then. Like, it's, you have to, you have to, like, that's why I'm, I've delegated a lot of the roles here that I'm having a bit more time to myself, which is great. And it's, you know, super for me. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm having, you know, like, I'm, I'm enjoying the downtime. <laughs> that's important no it's definitely important to have the have the balance look um michael I, I took enough of your time um i think we had a good chat we covered a huge amount i'd like to take this opportunity to, to thank you for coming on an inside view podcast and look best look with everything going forward yeah thanks so much thanks so much for having me and i uh, really enjoyed the chat i hope you all enjoyed the interview with michael uh, i think we had a great insight into you know what the fish box is about how they're getting on at the moment and the future plans we we get a great insight as well into the you know into the history of the the family into the, how you know they're steeped in the fishing industry in dingle um and look we'd like to take this opportunity to thank me all for coming on inside view podcast and we'd like to wish him and the rest of the family the very best look going forward that is all from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show. If you have any stories from part of the team, whether it's the sports team or a corporate team, please do let us know. Don't worry, everything will be kept confidential. Don't forget to rate, review, tell your friends and family about an interview podcast. And please please do tag us on social media if you're interacting about the podcast in any way. Um, do follow us as well on social media uh, to stay up to, you know, to stay up to date with what we're doing um with, with competitions which we actually have we had one um just finished yesterday and if we have any other offers um we've regularly offers up there so be sure to, to contact us um so you'll find us on instagram at underscore on the ball team building over on facebook it's on the ball team building over on twitter it's at we are on the ball two that's a digit two and linkedin it's on the ball team building and over on tiktok it's on the ball team building Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week when we have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred unat fein. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.